Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we're taking you through the best bits of Enchiridion by Epictetus, translated by Susan LaBelle. Yeah, I'm going to call it Enchiridion, only just because that's what I hear it being called, but I don't know. It could I, be with a soft CH. Yeah, I almost forgot the name because Google Translate, sorry, I... Your iPhone autocorrect, we've been messaging each other, just kept saying enchiladas. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And all week we've just been referring to it as enchiladas. <laughs> just send the emoji of a taco just to refer to this book. And uh, so, anyway, the great man Epictetus, a couple of thousand years ago, he was born a slave. And uh, back in those days, the rule was if you're born a slave, you're not allowed to not be a slave until you turn 30. So, basically, he had 20 years where he was a slave, eventually bought himself out of. Uh, slaved him to head towards freedom. This was his idea, the Enchiridion, which is the manual, uh, or the and uh, as we said, as Sharon LaBelle has translated, the art of living. So Marcus Aurelius, who wrote Meditations, which is probably a more famous Stoic book, that was also released for us was around the same time, but for them it was a few hundred years <laughs> later kind of thing. And Epictetus, he was influenced by Socrates, your mate Rufus, and Hippocrates. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So basically what we're going to talk about in this episode is some of the, the core ideas from the uh, big old Epictetus that largely center around control. The biggest idea, I guess, that comes from Epictetus is that things fall into either two buckets, things you can control and things you can't control. Epictetus says that happiness and freedom begin with a clear understanding of one principle. Some things are within our control and some things are not. It's only after we've faced up to that fundamental rule and learned to distinguish between what we can and what we can't that inner tranquility and outer effectiveness become possible. The things within our control is our own opinions of things, our aspirations and our desires. The things that are outside our control, uh, whether we're born into wealth, how we're regarded by others and our status within society. So this has got nothing to do with our acts Whereas the things within our control have everything to do with our own acts. That's it. So we've always got a choice about the contents of our character and the things that are within that happen within our lives. And of course, the things that are outside of our control, if we try to control them or if we try to change them, they only result in torment. So as you say, uh, an interesting one I think there is like, how are we regarded by others? So uh, Epictetus says that's outside of our control. I guess the thing that's inside of our control, we can control what we put out into the world, but we can't control how others perceive that, how others take that in. So if we want to be attaining some level of happiness and freedom, one thing we can be doing is sticking with our own business. And this is keeping our focus entirely on what's our own concern and be clear what belongs to others is their business and has got nothing to do with you. If we can uh, actually do this, if we can keep our tasks to our tasks and keep their tasks as their tasks, then we're going to be impervious to coercion. No one's ever going to be able to control you. No one's ever going to be able to hold you back. That's when you can actually become uh, not only free, but also effective because every piece of effort that you're applying, you're applying in something that you can actually control. So you're not wasting time trying to do things that you can't actually add value to. Every piece of uh, effort that you're putting out is being used effectively. Living by these principles isn't so easy. Last week, I went out with a bunch of structural engineers, took the work card out. I can easily justify spending 300 bucks on uh, beers and, and lunch and shouting the rounds with everyone, um, you know, assuming that you're just going to be talking about work and it's going to be productive about projects and to do with engineering. But of course, the world of politics is encroaching 
in a lot of discussions and someone brought up politics and all of a sudden there was a big debate at the table and people were getting heated and pissed off and no engineering conversations got done whatsoever. And in hindsight, it was a very poor interaction because we were just discussing things that are completely out of our control, getting emotional about it. If we were to stick into things within our control, it could have been a very productive conversation interaction that we had and justify the $300 bill because it clearly wasn't worth the yeah. $300. It was just bullshit, I think. I think that's a big one. A lot of people love um, love discussing things like that, uh, even though there's nothing they can really do about it. They love to interpret it, analyze it, talk about it, share their opinions of it. But at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot you can do to actually control it or actually change it. It's very easy to just flick on the news, read the newspaper, flick through your Facebook feed and your whole day you're just uh, obsessed with things that got nothing to do with you and your own tasks in your life and these things are going to really be dictating your level of freedom and happiness. Your will though is within your power. Uh, so, not, if you control your will, then nothing's going to be able to hold you back. Uh, even in uh, sickness may challenge your body, lameness may impede your legs. These are Epictetus's words. And he says, but regardless of this, you still control your mind and control your thoughts. And uh, he has got a story of his own that I guess almost proves that lameness is just a physical condition because uh, when he was a slave and his slave master was trying to, uh, I guess, get him to cooperate and Epictetus wasn't cooperating, uh, the slave master lay him down, grabbed his leg and started twisting it. And Epictetus said, uh, you, you're twisting it too far, it's going to break soon. And then the guy kept twisting it and then it broke. Mm. And apparently Epictetus was just like, just just copped it. Really? Well, like you'd think he'd be screaming out in pain, you'd think he'd be crying. Oh. But he, And then the slave master said, why didn't you tell me to stop? And Epictetus said, I, I told you it was going to break and it broke. And that was mate, it. And then so he had a limp for the rest of his life. Oh, mate, that sounds like a story that was told by Epictetus. <laughs> I think it was another person in the room that it would have been, Epictetus would have been whining and crying. Yeah, <laughs> it was through like Epictetus, the, right? It's like, like how, big, how big was the fish that you caught? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So he just said, yeah, I'll just, I'll just lay there. Didn't even react at all. Yeah. I, can't, I couldn't walk properly for the rest of my entire life, but I just copped it. It was all good. Well, he's a pretty wise dude. <laughs> According to his writing, so we might give him the benefit of the doubt in the past here, but probably bullshit to be honest. Yeah, I, I could be yes on that. It's a, that's a story that's lived on for 2,000 years, but I don't know how true that one is. So freedom is the only goal that we should be going after in our life and disregarding all the things that are just beyond our control. And our happiness is going to depend on three things that are completely within our control and our power, your will, your ideas, and the use you make of whatever ideas you might have. Authentic happiness is always independent of external conditions. So, the things that are happening outside of you, the things that are happening around you, they can't control your happiness. They shouldn't be dictating how happy or not happy you feel. The only things that uh, can dictate your happiness, as you say, is is really your mind and how you use your mind. If you've got great ideas and you're putting them to good use, that's how you can control your happiness. You shouldn't be uh, relying on external things falling in your favor to feel happy. Yeah, it's easier said than done because we are just as human species always just comparing status with one another and you can be very dazzled and deceived by someone's job title and their degrees and their honours and their fancy possessions and their expensive clothing and their demeanour and everything like that. So it's hard to not be bewildered by all these appearances because these kind of things can make you doubt yourself. He says that uh, don't mistake uh, things like fame, celebrity, public figures, political leaders, wealthy people, 
um, great intellectuals, great artists. We look at those and think, man, those people are amazing. Uh, I wish I could be just like them. But that doesn't actually necessarily mean they're happy. Mm. And perhaps the harder they had to work to get to that level of status or that fame or that level of wealth, the less happy they are. So, Epictetus is saying that, hey, sometimes maybe you need to forgo fame or fortune if you want to go towards a true goal, which should be happiness. We need to stop aspiring to be anyone other than our own best self, for that does fall within our control. If we think back to Joe the Painter, who we met in Lost Connections by Johan Hari, what he did every day is he grabbed paint, he shook it, took the order from a customer, then waited for the next customer, shook paint, mixed it, and did the, the next customer. And this is what he did all day, every day. And he absolutely hated his job because it was so monotonous. But the silver lining here was he was paid pretty well for what he did and it was the best money he could find because what was important to him was actually keeping up with the Joneses in a sense of having the nice car and a nice house and in the nice neighborhood. But deep down, he knew what he loved doing and that was fishing. And he's always had this opportunity to move towns, to work on a fishing charter and you know he'd be paid less, but obviously he'd be living a much more tranquil life that's in line with what his true self is. So poor Joe, the problem that he fell into was being a victim of, I guess, other people's opinions of him. He thought he wanted to make a lot of money. He wanted to buy nice stuff to impress all his neighbors. So they thought, oh yeah, Joe's obviously doing well in life. And he got sucked up in this uh, this trap of trying to please other people. Uh, if we if we get sucked into that trap of trying to please other people, we're going to be misdirected. We're going to start doing things that lie outside of our sphere of influence. So as I said, uh, we can control what we put out into the world, but we can't control how other people perceive that. And trying to control other people's opinions of us, we're fighting a losing battle. Yeah, it is difficult sometimes. I remember a few years ago when I was doing Uber driving and I was like till, still 26 years old doing it. If I listen to the love episode, what was I getting the love you want? There's this interesting Uber story that you opened the episode <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember, you know, picking up some mates and like, what are you doing, buddy? Still Uber driving kind of thing. And I was just having fun Uber driving and, and all that. And I remember that pang of mm. what they're talking about now. It's a real human thing to just think, oh, you know, maybe I'm not doing as good as everyone else kind of thing. But if you let that kind of feeling and emotion dictate your life, uh, Epictetus is saying this is a really poor driving force because it's just going to lead to misery and a, a lack of freedom going forward. Yeah, if you want to live a wise life, you need to live it on your own terms and in, in your own eyes. You shouldn't be worried about what other people are thinking about you. Uh, again, easier said than done because we are very social animals. We are trying to do things for the uh, to, to, I guess, please others and to get the approval of others. But if we get stuck into that trap, we're going to be starting to do the wrong things. We need to create our own uh, merit. So we should be doing the things that make us feel good, the things that are putting us on the right track towards doing the, the right kind of things in life. So aiming for those right goals, not the goals of money and fame, but the goals of happiness and tranquility. It's just going to be a fact that other people in your life who you love and they love you, they're not going to necessarily agree with your ideas or understand you or share your enthusiasms. A few books we've done recently have flagged this as a positive marker that you're living your own life is the amount people aren't agreeing with what you're doing because if they somewhat dislike you and the path you're on, it means you're living in freedom because you've got the courage to be disliked yeah. using the actual <laughs> title I'm referring to. So, as you said, if we're not careful, if we're always living uh, out of the opinions of others and trying to get others to like us, we're going to be driven by 
their desires. Instead, we want to be driven by our own desires. Uh, so our, our own desires are things that we can control. Yeah, because if you don't control your desires, they can just absolutely run off just to some wild place that maybe will put your expectations about what you're meant to uh, get out of life to a point where it's completely unreasonable and you're always living below this expectation and you get this pain and misery. These desires can run a little wild though. If our desire is to become millionaires, um, then that's probably an unhealthy desire because maybe we can't we can't control every element of that. Rather than trying to get our reality to meet our wishes and our desires, we should probably try to get our desires and our wishes to come back a little bit more towards reality. Often our ambitions are really big and that can drive us towards actually doing a whole bunch more stuff. But of course, if our ambitions are too big that they're impossible, it's just going to lead to heartache down the track. Yeah, you might be wishing to become a, a multi-billionaire or something, which and if you don't get it, you're just under pain or in a different context. You might just secretly just not accept that some people in your life are going to die someday and because you're never thinking about it, there's some part of you is just kind of expecting them to live forever. So, you know, seeing the world as it is, we're not going to be hurt when certain events come and smack us. Or in a different context, if your employee, colleague, relative, friend, partner, just being a bit of a dick and pissing you off a little bit, Again, it would be very foolish just to assume that they're not going to do that. It's, everyone's human. They've got their own weaknesses and faults. And if you just accept this as a fact of reality, then you're not going to be hurt when people aren't acting in the way you wish they acted. One interesting metaphor we should apply to our, our wishes, our desires, our ambitions is that we should treat life like a banquet. So, big old epic man, Epictetus, says that basically if, uh, if you're at a banquet, this must have been post-slavery, I'm guessing. Unless maybe he was, the, maybe he was a slave, being the waiter. I don't know. Maybe he was just like. I think if you're a slave, you just like maybe sneak, get a few sneakies in there. I reckon you'd be the pretty, pretty peckish. So he says you should behave like a guest at a banquet uh, and a, a civilized guest at that. So you should, if something's carried around and it gets plopped in front of you, then definitely you can reach out your hand and you can grab that opportunity or that, that piece of food. Of course, if something passes you by, like it gets passed down the line and it misses you, you shouldn't try to stand in the way and stop it and try to catch it. And also, if something hasn't come around to you yet, you shouldn't like uh, get up and walk around and go and grab it. You shouldn't ask people to pass it down to you. You've got to just sort of wait until it comes around and pops in front of you. Yeah, in life, there's going to be times when that juicy steak just pops up in front of you and it's within hand's reach with the cheese and toast and it's a beautiful, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, banquet. right? <laughs> cheese on toast. <laughs> it was the steak, steak out, oh, steak. juicy steak sandwich. <laughs> and when that happens, grab it out and go for it. But the fact of life is a lot of the time you're just waiting. Someone might throw a steak in your face at this banquet. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things going on at this, this banquet of life and you just <laughs> got to accept what's <laughs> yeah, happening. So I think I just ruined the whole metaphor from Epictetus. <laughs> If we rewind to the start of 2020, there's probably a hell of a lot that you wanted to do. You'd set your goals for the year. There was a whole bunch of stuff you wanted to achieve. Very quickly, a lot of those goals and those ambitions were probably out the window because the whole year didn't pan out as we expected it to be. But this is, if you were living the stoic life, I guess, this is just something you could deal with because in stoicism, you've got to realize that events happen as they do, people behave as they are. You can't control them. Uh, you've got to just effectively embrace what you get. And unfortunately, that's often not what you hoped for. But sometimes you just got to cop it and just, just, just roll with it. 
So this is just objectively how the world is working. We need to open our eyes and see things as they really are and spare ourselves the pain of these false attachments to what we think the world should be like. Yeah, Ryan Holiday in his book, The Obstacle is the Way, he says, we say things like, this happened and it is bad. As in, you know, the world had coronavirus and that screwed up my whole year. But he says that's two very different statements. One is objective, one is subjective. This happened, that's objective. And it is bad, that's subjective. So, we're putting our own spin on that to say it's bad. So, in the stoic life, you've got to think a little bit about uh, what actually do some of these events in the world mean. If your TV broke, you might think, oh, my TV broke, now I can't watch Netflix, my whole, my whole week's ruined. But that's just like a, that's just like a, a very subjective thing on it. Objectively- That's a big F on it. <laughs> you're passing a stoic yeah, exam that's, and that's, your, that's, that's a big, big F. Basically, the, the TV broke, that's objective. But actually applying that this is bad and, and uh, spinning that off to your whole week is ruined, mm. then that's on you. This is where the subjectivity comes. It could be, yeah, the TV broke. Some said this is bad. Another person might say, all right, this is a fantastic opportunity. Let's look at the weather, 26 degrees and sunny every day. I'm going to call up mates from high school and go and play basketball mm. on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, exactly. So, this can go to a whole bunch of things like our, our thoughts are very, we cling to these big problems. Your, your car broke down, your laptop died, a friend got sent to hospital, a colleague passed away. Obviously, there's a ramping up in, in intensity here, but these are all very objective things that happen. Our subjective uh, perceptions of what these actually mean, that's within our control. We can control to view these as bad or we can view these as opportunities. So, when something happens, the only thing in our power that we have control over is our attitude toward it. We can either accept it or we can resent it. So, digging a little deeper, what doesn't frighten us is the external events themselves because they're the objective things and there's a whole myriad of ways you can view it. But this is the thing that scares us is the way we actually think about them. Yeah, that's right. The things themselves, the external events, they don't hinder us. They don't hold us back. Other people don't hold us back. The only thing that holds us back is how we view these things. The The meaning that we attach to them uh, is the only thing that can really stop us from doing whatever it is we want to do. But of course, thankfully, that's something that we, is within our control. The external event happens, the meaning that we apply to it, that's up to us to choose. Epictetus wasn't the only one who said this. You got the Buddha, he said, our life is the creation of our mind. Shakespeare said, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And Milton, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. Who's Milton? Don't know. Just one of those Milton from the pub. Milton from the... Sounds (laughs) sounds like... When you don't have a surname, it adds a lot of value to (laughs) our... Is his first name Milton or is his surname Milton? Just Like sure, Milton. Just Milton. Just the one one namer. (laughs) Good old Milton, hey? Uh, No shame, no blame is another uh, Epictetus... Uh, I think that's probably translated from from whatever Epictetus said back in the day. But uh, whenever these uh, setbacks happen to us, the wrong way to go about it is to try to blame the external world. Try to put blame on uh, the, the government's done this to me or my boss has done this to me or like personalizing it and blaming other people. That's sending you down the, the anti-stoic path. One of the signs of the dawning of moral progress within ourselves is the gradual extinguishment of blame and getting rid of the finger pointing altogether, whether you're pointing at somebody or somewhere in the world, because things simply just are what they are. It's easy for us to look at other 
people, you know, if you if you were talking, you had coffee with an old mate, and they were talking about oh how much their boss is is ruining their career prospects, and they're they're blaming their boss for everything, or they're blaming their parents for everything. It's easy for us to look at that and say stop blaming the world, but then we can then turn around the very next sentence and start blaming somebody else ourselves. Or that's like uh, that's the modern version of it, the Epictetus version of it. He was saying that if your neighbor's slave breaks a cup. Uh, then we can often say, "Oh, that's you know, that's don't don't be too harsh on your slave. That's just a human thing. It happens from time to time. Uh, just let him get away with it this time. And then if your slave broke your cup, man, you'd be so pissed off. <laughs> you'd be flying off the handle. You'd be trying to uh, trying to really reprimand. You know, be, you'd be twisting your slave's leg. Um, <laughs> and, uh, not not quite till the point when it broke, but just to let him know that that was a very bad thing to do. Yeah, I think the slave would have taken the slave owner's soul, uh, using <laughs> Goggin's <laughs> term, if it just looked and didn't even scream or squeal like the big epic. <laughs> yeah, the, the epic Epictetus. Because when you're not blaming anyone, this is really the only time that you can actually grow and take something from the circumstance. Because if you're just blaming the boss for micromanaging you and making your work so hard, and that means you've got a pretty easy out when something stuffs up, you can blame someone else for it. But if you point the finger at yourself, then you can start looking for opportunities of the things that you did wrong and the ways you've stuffed everything up. And because of that, there's, there's something to be learned from every time something goes wrong in your life. So Epictetus says sometimes there's this less than obvious benefit embedded in in some kind of event and a trained eye that is somewhat stoic, I guess, would be able to discern from that. So it doesn't matter how dire the event is, there's always a a possibility of some hidden opportunity within it. Or as uh, Napoleon Hill says, uh, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. So Napoleon Hill, author of Think and Grow Rich, uh, I was hearing the other day that maybe that was all BS, the whole story of uh, Napoleon Hill meeting Andrew Carnegie, one of the richest dudes in the world, who said, go and study these hundreds of millionaires over 20 years. Apparently, that was all BS. But uh, Well, he's, he's, getting well. A, he's getting the last laugh, he's, mate. If 60, sort of, years ago, 60 years later, he's coming up on what you will learn. <laughs> he sold a lot of books. Uh, I guess another big Epictetus-ism is uh, the idea of everything has two handles. So, for whatever happens... Uh, you've got two options of how you can pick up this. I think this metaphor starts to fall apart at this point. I don't know what you're picking up and what's got two handles, but everything's got two handles. You can either pick it up by the dodgy, flimsy handle or you can pick it up by the more stoic, sturdy handle. Uh, and the example is that, okay, if your brother or sister treats you poorly, that you could grasp the situation by the handle of hurt and injustice saying, why, why did you do this to me? I can't bear this. Our relationship's over. Or you can uh, pick it up by the handle of... Okay, but you know, things like this happen from time to time. We're still family, we're still siblings. There's that unspoken familial bond which is going to help us last through this. So, in every situation, you've really got two options. You pick it up by the flimsy handle and uh, view it as a worst case scenario, or do you pick it up by the more sturdy handle and uh, remain in control of how you view things? According to Epictetus, Self-mastery is our one true aim. When we remember that our aim is spiritual progress in this this realm, we return to striving to be our best selves, and this is how happiness is won. Yeah, we want to master ourselves. We want to master our character. We want to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. Uh, And once we get to that, that's something that's worth celebrating. He says that there's a whole bunch of things that we like to celebrate that really aren't worth celebrating. Um, His example here is that uh, if you're a horse 
and you're a beautiful horse, then you can be elated and say, I'm a beautiful horse. And that's fine. But if you're an owner of a beautiful horse, you can't say, I own a beautiful horse and make yourself elated. I don't know who's getting elated over horses. But you, you shouldn't be claiming that as your way of being happy. He mm. says that if you are a good character, that's when you can claim that, yep, I'm doing well. But you can't claim that I own a good horse, so I'm good. The horse is obviously a metaphor. It's yeah. <laughs> probably some Unless horse owners a horse, out there. Yeah. There's a few of them. <laughs> There's a few other things we need to be careful about salivating with the reasonings that not really cohering to the life of self-mastery. You might think, I am richer than you, so I am better than you. That doesn't cut it. Or I am more eloquent than you, so I am better than you. Instead, we need to be saying things like this. I am richer than you, therefore my possessions are greater than yours. That's true. Yeah, It's true. It's an objective thing. Or I am more eloquent than you, therefore my speech is superior to yours. Yeah. But it's true as well. Mm. Yeah. So basically, we can't be cl- like our possessions, the things that we own, that doesn't make us good. Uh, the only way that we can be good is by being good. So we can begin at once this program of self mastery, but start modestly with the little things that bother you. Start seeing them in a real objective way. When you call to your child, be prepared that she may not respond to you. Or if she does, she might do it in a way that uh, you didn't want. She might just go to kick you in the shins or something when you <laughs> when you're trying to have a good positive interaction. In those yeah, in those circumstances, you shouldn't be uh, pissed off that your kid didn't do what you want them to do because they shouldn't be able to have the control over you and your emotions. You shouldn't be relying on them uh, for the way that you act. Similarly, if someone spills a glass of milk or if you lose your wallet, all these things are just small things that happen. Uh, you've got to realize what is inside your control, what is outside your control. These objective external events happened. You've got to control your own internal reactions to those things. 